This podcast is created for farmers and powered by Pioneer Agronomy to bring you agronomic insights and proven solutions to fuel forward-thinking farming. Hello and welcome back to the Indiana Pioneer Agronomy podcast. This is our third and final episode speaking with field agronomist Eric Miller on soil fertility and nutrition. In this final episode, we talk about the importance of soil pH and micronutrients. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Indiana Pioneer Agronomy podcast, your source for timely agronomic information and real-world solutions from industry leaders. And now, introducing your host out of Northwestern Indiana by way of Purdue University and Iowa State University, the terror of the Kankakee, Carl Jorn. And representing Northeastern Indiana by way of Purdue University and Indiana Wesleyan University, purveyor of agronomic excellence, pilot extraordinaire, Brian the Red Baron Schrader. And representing Southern Indiana by way of Purdue University and Iowa State University, dirt nerd and beard enthusiast, Ben Jacob. And now it's time. Please enjoy the Indiana Pioneer Agronomy Podcast. pH is the master variable of all soil fertility. It's the building block from which we should, uh, I, I, any, any good manager should start and correct pH before we go any further. You know, if it's, if it's too alkaline or seven or above, you've got issues with immobilization or just total plant uptake. If it's really too low, you have the same issue. And so really need to get it right in that sweet spot that, you know, six, two to six, eight, range um, and work from there. And everything, there's a lot of things that build off of pH that maybe, you know, for that are outside the sake of this conversation, but think about herbicide uh, mm-hmm. activity and, and, um, and persistence in the soil. Those are, those are uh, things which, which are really dependent upon pH. Uh, one that comes to mind that I see, see often is, is ALS in the crop and how the ALS class of herbicides can really linger in the soils if you have a pH of seven or above. And so, um, and so pH bar none is the most important function facet component of soil fertility and everything needs to be built upon or after we correct or make sure that soil pH is at an appropriate level. Well, I appreciate you kind of expounding on pH there, because like you said, before we even get into any further discussion on soil fertility, that has got to be, those are our starting blocks. We can't begin the race until we've got that part figured out. Um, I know where a lot of the questions I've been fielding so far this year they have not been on anything we've really talked about here uh, this entire episode so far. It is 90% been focused on micronutrients. And I, I may go on a little bit of a tangent here, but I strongly believe that we have to have our, our pH in good shape and be taking care of our N, P, and K. And then if we want to start, uh, you know, becoming a little bit more of a um, – 
more of a advanced manager or, or somebody that's that's managing or stewarding their crop at another level, we're going to start talking about sulfur. And after we have those those key items, those five items I just mentioned, six, that's when I'd like to explore that micronutrient conversation. There's a reason why there's the macronutrients and the micronutrients. The macronutrients are taken up in the in the greatest quantities, and the micronutrients are taken up in the least quantity. So uh, with that all aside, uh, Eric, Brian, would either of you kind of like to share your thoughts on micronutrients and where they stand? I've got one comment on a micronutrient that I see often, and Carl, you could probably speak to this one a lot more on muck soils up there in northwest Indiana, but it's manganese, specifically mm -hmm. soybeans. If you're driving along and you have really heavy black organic soils and you see this yellow cast across your field uh, it'll be yellow the inner inner veins will be really green and then you'll have yellow leaves um, that's usually manganese deficiency so aside from manganese and the deficiency in soybeans micronutrients is really falls into the category of what Carl described You've got to take care of everything else before we get too cute with the uh, micros. And we can, we can, um, I see so often that the micronutrients are thought of as a silver bullet. And, and it, and it is not the case. There is no way that a micronutrient can, can provide provide anything that the micronutrients have been overlooked to do it can't it can't overcome what is being left on the table from a from a big picture it, it goes back to i think everyone who's ever sat in any fertility meeting over the course of their farming career or us as agronomists has has seen the you know the the illustration of the barrel staves and the wall of the minimum and you you can have the best micronutrient plan set out but if the NP and K and your pH are those short barrel staves the water's always going to pour out you're just never going to be able to have the crop yield and to your point earlier Eric there's a lot of things that getting these basic macros and the pH right influence and if you can't get those done you could pour it. I mean, you could put thousands of dollars an acre in micros and you're never going to see a benefit from it. And I think you got to get the, you got to get the basics right first before you ever start to look at anything beyond that. And you just have to get that right. Now I would be remiss if we didn't, you know, assume that there are some folks out there that do have those barrel staves right above you know where they ought to be with respect to ph and pk sulfur and dr miller must be carbon copied on all of my uh tissue analyses for my geography because damn near 50 percent are coming back to fishing for manganese so eric you're you're spot on there um but let's say you've got all of those pieces of of the puzzle right where they ought to be they're all aligned those barrel staves are up high at that point, how should we manage micronutrients? Is that something where foliar applications come into play, uptake? What's the timing during the growing season? You know, those are those are the types of questions that I'm getting a lot of. And and if we do have the macros taken care of, we can have that conversation. 
Yeah, uh, there's a few that we could probably manage uh, early season. I, I think a one zinc. Um, you, you know, I think that zinc is one that we could tank mix with our starter fertilizer and corn and get out there. And it's a cation, and it'll persist in the soil for a good time, good while. And and so that's one I think maybe up front. Uh, others, others, I I think could really be be applied or managed in crop foliarly. Um, boron is one I hear a lot about, and that's one that's foliar. Um, uh, molybdenum is another one that I hear we can we can uh, uh, spray near near pollination time frame. And so a lot of these micronutrients are are more of an in season crop uh, management. And and I would allow the crop to dictate how much how much we go in on some of these foliar micronutrient applications. In other words, if this corn crop or the bean crop is going to be big and we see a lot of a lot of potential out there, that's where I really want to experiment around and figure out where we can really top off this crop at. But if it's really struggling. Uh, you know, when we're really drought stressed in areas or, or something's just not quite right, um, you know, there, there's nothing that's going to save, save the crop if, if Mother Nature is not, not uh, following the script for a big, for a big year. You know, I, I think that's spot on, Eric. You know, we got to look at what's our most yield limiting factor. It's not always going to be soil fertility. And and like we started this conversation off with, a lot of potassium deficiencies showing up in compacted areas, uh, you know, where we have limited root growth and things of that nature, where we can't explore the soil profile or we just don't have the water to be uptaken to drive those nutrients into the plant. I mean, it's it's all a holistic cycle. And I think we, we kind of get back to that at the end of every end of every interview. Um, Brian, Eric, anything else that you all would like to delve into with respect to soil fertility and observations in the field so far? I think the big thing here that I would say is, you know, Eric has obviously touched on a ton of stuff here, but I, I think one of the things that he mentioned and we may, you know, this could be a podcast in and of itself is the fact that it doesn't matter what we touch there's some level of impact that our fertility and our pH have. I mean, he mentioned um, the the herbicide piece, you know, in terms of all of the things that we do, you know, you mentioned tillage and compaction and all that stuff. I think that that's one of the biggest things that comes out of this conversation that Eric's leaving us with is the fact that all of those things are impacted by where we're at fertility-wise. And I think sometimes we tend to put that, you know, fertility in its own little bucket sometimes. And that, you, you can't do that. You can't afford to do it. Eric, anything well, else today that we didn't touch on that you want to visit yeah, with us about? Just a, few, a few parting comments would be is that if there's any, if there's any uncertainty on your guys' fields, a soil sample is by far one of the cheapest things you can do to make sure that you're managing the correct nutrients and and above all make sure it is a quality soil test taken at an appropriate depth at at a at a, in a grid or management zone that you can manage on your farm and so you're interpreting 
quality information. There is nothing worse than to be interpreting poor information so you're, you're next, so you're just chasing your tail until the next time you take a soil sample. So I want to emphasize the importance of making sure that we are interpreting good information from your, from your farm fields. Start with pH. I think there's a lot to be gained with potassium and perhaps an annual frequency of application with potassium, especially whenever we're really trying to dial in uh, potash rates. Let the crop dictate what it's telling us with nitrogen and sulfur, but I would really try to uh, think about supplementing as much sulfur as we can to this corn crop. Um, and beans, we didn't really hit on beans, but there might be something there with, with sulfur and soybeans to make sure we're, uh, uh, we're maximizing yield there too. And so pH, potassium, nitrogen, sulfur, um, and then just make sure we're maintaining a good phosphorus soil test level. All right, Eric. Well, we, we appreciate your time today. I guess I know the answer to this, but I'll ask is where can folks uh, get a hold of you if they heard something on the podcast they wanted to reach out to you and uh, try to get a hold of you to get some clarification or ask another question what would be the best way for folks to get a hold of you best way to get a hold of me would be a, a text or a phone call and my phone number is area code 574-242-0485 I've got an email address as well would be a good way to get a hold of me eric.c.miller at pioneer.com and I look forward to having those conversations and follow-up, but I appreciate it, Brian and Carl. Hey, thank you very much, Eric. Appreciate your time this morning, and uh, we'll uh, probably be visiting with you again maybe later in and later in the fall, talk a little bit more fertility, especially macronutrients. So thanks a lot for the time today. That's all for this episode of the Indiana Agronomy Podcast. As always, if you have questions about anything you heard on the podcast today, be sure to reach out to Carl, Ben, or myself and as always, if you need local agronomy information, be sure to reach out to your local Pioneer sales rep, your local Pioneer territory manager, or your local agronomist. Thanks again for being with us for this episode of the Indiana Agronomy Podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode from the Pioneer Agronomy Team. Be sure to visit pioneer.com backslash podcasts to access additional episodes and learn more about our extensive on-farm data and innovative digital tools that are fueling forward-thinking farming.